Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 137 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am Anthony. And I am Michael. And we are, we're done, man. We're done with the big box beer bash bonanza, whatchamacallit. For a split second, I thought you were just saying, you know what, we're done. No more. <laughs> we're finished. <laughs> we're cutting it off. No, the big box bash is over. It is. Congratulations to Angry Orchard for winning um, the the prize of the century, which is two idiots calling your beer the best out of uh, 16 beers. Um, so technically the best out of eight that we that we tasted. That's true. And 16 were originally in it. And then we got down to. I mean, Angry it's Orchard. not like you won a gold medal at the world beer championships or whatever but i mean it's pretty close it's essentially the same thing i mean our opinion is you know pretty what? spot I on i honestly don't know if anger orchard needs our opinion <laughs> but I they got it they're they're doing pretty good i think but <laughs> doing something right because shoot i may i may have to go get some anger orchard after this so um i still so have yeah. a few left over i am out so uh big box bash is over and at least for this week, we'll see how this goes. Um, <laughs> Anthony and I have decided that we are going to try um, what is essentially some knockoff beers That's from right. a local, uh, to both of us, a discount grocery store called Aldi. The best grocery store in all of grocery stores, might I add. It's a pretty good grocery store. Some things are hit or miss. Like That's true. If you're picky about meat, I wouldn't buy meat there. Because some like yeah. particularly red meat, like chicken's yeah. okay. Like chicken is chicken. You can't really but mess like, up chicken. I mean, you could try, but <laughs> Aldi hasn't yet. But like beef and pork and stuff, you may want to steer clear. It, it anyway it doesn't matter. So Aldi carries and offers um, some what is apparently just or is essentially knockoff beers. Like they That's have right. an ang- they carry an Angry Orchard knockoff. I think it's called Wicked Vineyard. Like that. That's think that kind of <laughs> that kind of knockoff um, it's amazing so uh anthony's uh where he is in south alabama um they they're all they just opened in the last week or so that's right um we've had all the up here in north georgia for i don't know forever um so uh we were able to find the same beer and again we're gonna we're, we're gonna be able to taste the same beer tonight and Depending on how this goes, we may do an Aldi series, or this may be a one and done. We don't really know yet. <laughs> we're uh, going to decide tonight. <laughs> yeah, we're going to decide tonight on this one. So uh, tonight we have the, I'm going to say Aldiger, Aldagger, Aldagger, Aldiger. Ald- it's it's got a sword going through the barrel. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say dagger, Aldagger, Aldagger, Aldagger uh, Lager. It's an amber lager. 
Mm-hmm. And this is produced and bottled by State of Brewing mm-hmm. in Wanakee, Wisconsin. You got to say Wisconsin. Wisconsin. You get the <laughs> you O's are A A W's. That's right. <laughs> Wisconsin. Um, so a five percent ABV on this one, and yeah, the, the bottle's pretty cool. Um, and honestly, like if you're looking for like just like a cheap, al- cheaper alternative to some of your standard stuff, this may not be a bad because. I think for me it was like eight dollars for a yeah. six pack. Yeah. So um a normal know, craft beer six pack is like ten to fifteen dollars sometimes. It's like yeah, 10, 12, 15, something like that. So this is a little cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, but there may be a reason for that that we're gonna find out about here in a minute. So that's um, right. The bottles appear to be pop-offs. This is not which, a which is plus points. Yeah, plus points. We established that last week with the blue moon. <laughs> And Anthony and I are both going to pour ours up tonight and see what we have. So let's get to cracking and drinking. Let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. Definitely pop off. I did it. Nice. Smell test is uh, it's pretty that's, good. That's a beer. Okay, so it's supposed to be an amber. It's a it's a little bit light colored for me just just looking at the pour up. Yeah, it's a little more red. Yeah, the smell is good. Like it it smells like a pretty standard beer to me. Yeah, uh, there's nothing. I mean, it's it's just it's just a lager, and there's nothing. It doesn't say it's yeah. any kind of nothing special. Yeah, um, just an amber amber lager, but it's it's a little it's a little more goldy brown, I think. Than yeah. Than I would expect an amber to be. I, I just think it should be a little bit darker. I am loving. Look at the cap, dude. The dude, cap yeah. has the logo on it. That that is a really cool logo. Yes, it is. So, um, united by flavors on the bottle, and it's a like you said, a barrel with a sword going through it. Yeah, they don't give you a whole lot. It's five percent. Um, you don't know a whole lot about state of brewing other than they're owned by apparently another brewery up there in Wisconsin. Yeah. And they, um, they do this, they repackage beers yeah, for yeah. stores on untapped. The all digger, all dagger has 859 total like check-ins or whatever. Mm-hmm. And out, out of the thousands and thousands and thousands of posts. <laughs> so not have- many people do. Drink well, <laughs> not many people post that they drink this. So, there you go. Um, I guess let's get to drinking and see if Aldi's going to be the new source of beer for the Beers and Bubble <laughs> podcast or not <laughs> for at least four weeks. Yeah, <laughs> bottoms up. I don't. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and say this. There is nothing remarkable about that. Yeah, but it's not bad. It's not bad. It's, it's a little bit lighter than what I expect from a lager. It's very caramelly to me. Yes, yes. It's I, I don't know I, the the flavor is not what I'm expecting out of, out of a. It feels like a it's, a. It's too, Ale and a um like a porter fell in the same bucket and then they did something else to make it turn this color. <laughs> it's too crisp to be a lager to me. It, yeah. it feels too much like a like a cider like Angry Orchard. Yeah. Um 
I say it's like an ale or a cider. It's closer to an ale or a cider to me than it is a lager. Yeah, lagers have that more like rich, deep flavor. Like mm-hmm. I don't know how else to describe it other than that. <clears throat> but uh, but it's like you said, it's not terrible. Like it's I don't not like it. Yeah, I don't. I, know don't, I don't know if I would ever seek it out after this. No, you know I think it's in that range, which. I don't know, may not be good for it. Or Aldi for that matter. Or Aldi. Which I mean, Aldi is not making their money off of knockoff beers, but no, no, they're making their money off of forty nine cent apples or whatever. That's right. Um Okay, so All right. You wanna go? I'm i st- I'm still thinking you go. I th- I think I can go. Um this is a very beer tasting beer flavored beer mm-hmm. um it's too excuse me to me it's too crisp to be uh really a lager mm-hmm. it's it it feels more like a like you said like an ale or a cider almost um the flavor is good it's a little caramely it's almost maybe a touch too sweet for what it is yeah um it's not as dark it's it's pretty light um i don't know i think i'm gonna land it like i think i might land at three and a half luthers on this one. Oh man you're nicer than i am um <laughs> I, th- I think that's where i'm gonna land i i reserve the right to alter that in the next few minutes 20 minutes <laughs> but but i think I think I'm going to land at three and a half out of five Luthers on that one. Okay. Um, the the flavor, the more I drink it, the more I'm just like, this This to me is not a lager flavor. I agree it's, with that. It's just, like, it's just not a lager flavor. And so I, I think it's it possibly might be... I don't, it's more I don't know ale-y. How it. it's, it's more, more ale. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like they mix up some ingredients from a lager and some ingredients from an ale and tried to make this. I, th- I think maybe that's why it's pale because it's, I mean, for a, for a amber beer, mm-hmm. it is not red at all. Like it's not deep it's, red. Like you would think an amber would be to me. It's like a creamy lager. Yeah. Like if you took like the, the best parts of a, of a lager and then like made them creamy somehow. I don't know how, I yeah. don't know. I don't know how you do that. I'm not a, a beer brewer by any yeah. stretch, but it's to all right. So it's not as good to me as like a blue moon, which I would give three Luthers. You know, oh, okay. I think last week I gave it like three point oh five or something like that. Yeah, point oh two. So this is this is. I mean, it might almost be a three, but I'm gonna have to give it two and a half. Okay, um, because it's just like it. It doesn't taste like a lager. Like it, the taste is not bad, but it's not what I'm expecting. That's fair. From a lager. I get what you're saying. Points off for that because it's not at all what what I would expect out of a lager. It's like you said, it's Mm -hmm. it's a it's sweeter. It's not there's not that um slight it's not like IPA bitter, but that that typical bitter amber flavor that Yingling has and Doseki's amber has, like those it doesn't taste like that. That's what I'm expecting out of it. Yeah, I got you. So two and a half for me. I might bump it to three, but I'm gonna go two and a half. You know, the more I sit here and and kind of digest what I'm 
what I'm experiencing and kind of based on what you're talking about too, I think I'm going to actually bump mine down to three. I figured that's where you're going to end up. <laughs> I think, I think I'm going to do that. Um, again, reserve the right to, to change that throughout the episode as I drink <laughs> more of it. Um, but you're right. I mean, you know, you're totally right. I, I think, I don't know. It just, I don't know. It's, it's I, not I, bad. I definitely agree with you that it's not a lager yeah. in the traditional sense, but then also like the standards we have for lagers are yingling. Yeah. Which is like a four, four and a half. Yeah. You know, in that range typically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anything that claims to be a lager, we're comparing to that. And when it doesn't measure up, we're it's, disappointed. This, this is what I feel like. All right. This is the best comparison I can give it. You've, you've grown up your whole life eating Fruit Loops. And then one day your mom comes home with the bag of like fruity O's. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh man, they look the same. They're going to taste the same. And then you pour them up and you st- you take that first bite and you're like, this is not at all what I, what I wanted right. to eat. And this, you know, this tastes like styrofoam, whereas Fruit Loops taste like glorious. And you're, you're like, you're expecting at least something close to glorious, maybe not glorious, but close. And then you get, you know, styrofoam flavored colored Cheerios. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, I I understand what you're saying there. So, um, so I guess we need to decide if we're going to do more Aldi beers (laughs) or not. I think I'm reserving the right to, to not do more Aldi beer. That's fine. (laughs) We reserve the right. I think that should be the title. That should be the title of this episode is we reserve the right. We reserve the right to not do this anymore. Um, Um, no, I, I will say it, if I can, because ours was out of stock of a lot of stuff. Apparently, uh-huh. if the Angry Orchard one can come back in, I might be willing to do that one just to do okay. a comparison. Okay. So we we if we can find that one, we might do it. But th- I looked at the other ones that were there, and it was like there's one that's an, an offshoot of Shinerbach, and yeah. Shinerbach's not that great to me. Like I don't really like Shinerbach that much. Um. I, mean, I don't know good. if I've ever I've don't I don't know if I've ever had it, but it for, to me it just seemed, I may get in trouble for saying this, <laughs> but I'm to the point where I don't care. That's right. Um, it feels like white trash beer to me. That's amazing. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> I mean, it is brewed in Texas, so well. I mean, you can take that for what it's worth. <laughs> I, that's that, like when I when I think Shinerbach, I just think like. Yeah, that's what I think. So, <laughs> if you missed it, you missed it. Sorry. So too bad. Uh, joke, so, joke is gone. So the Aldiger Lager, All Dagger, All uh, whatever, whatever it is, uh, from State of Brewing, getting two and a half Luthers from Anthony, and I am going to land at three Luthers on this one out of five. Um, that's kind of in the eh range. Yeah. Like the upper, like the lower end of good range for yeah. us here at the Beers and Bible Podcast, and uh, we'll see. We'll see if we go back to Aldi or if we go to an actual liquor store and and try getting <laughs> try to find some more good beers, not knockoff beers. So, um, but there's our beer review for the week. And after this short break, we are going to dive into the book of Ruth, 
We are going to keep trucking along in our book-by-book study of the Bible, and uh, tonight we're tackling the book of, the, of Ruth, um, a unique book in the Bible, and we will talk about why it's a unique book mm-hmm. after this break. So stick around. Welcome back to the Beers of Bible podcast. We are continuing our book-by-book study of the Bible this week, Mm -hmm. and we are just rolling right along. We are in the book of Ruth, um, and it's one of the, I'll say one of the more unique books of the Bible Mm -hmm. in that it's uh, centered around a woman. (gasps) Dun dun dun. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a really important story, a really important narrative in the. Uh, it's very important for the in for the whole narrative of scripture mm-hmm. when you think about um, lineages and genealogies. We'll get into that later, but um, the the story of Ruth is is a really compelling one. Is really uh vital to uh this i mean it's gonna end up being vital to the story of jesus and yeah i'll just leave it there we'll get into that here in a little bit um so um hope you've had an opportunity to at least skim through ruth and if you haven't we would encourage you to do so but uh, it's tonight, easy it's only four chapters yes yeah, four chapters it's it would take you like maybe 30 minutes to read the whole thing um so let's di- let's dive in. Let's do uh, like we've been doing. Here's the some uh, just some orienting data for uh, studying the book of Ruth or something. Some things to know uh, before you open the book up. Um, this is a story of a young lady who's called um, who, who would be called an immigrant. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's a Moabite who's committed to her mother-in-law, um, mm-hmm. which is Naomi. Naomi, mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry, name names are hard. Um, <laughs> and, and and this happens. This uh, this story, the Book of Ruth, happens during the time of the judges. So we talked mm-hmm. about judges last week, and this is when uh, the Book of Ruth would have taken place. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we just talked about the line of Jesus. Ruth is directly in the line of King David, who is. An ancestor of Jesus. Yeah, she. So Ruth is the great grandmother of David. Yeah. So I mean, it's it, it's not so much like she's distantly related to David. It's like she is the great grandmother of David. Yeah, she she's three or so. four steps away from <laughs> David, um, a man after God's own heart who wrote a lot of mm-hmm. um, psalms and and things. So um, this book is set uh, during the t- during a time of famine in Israel in the nation of Israel. Um, mm-hmm. which is an important storyline throughout the book. Um, there's re- not no listed author. Is there any um, like agreed upon or anyone they think may have written it, or is it just kind of one of those books? Is like there, it's just accepted that there's not an author. Yeah, there is. 
there is some speculation I've read in in some other commentaries and stuff that it's possible the the chron what they call the chronicler, mm-hmm. um, the person who wrote Chronicles and Kings and Samuel, the history books, mm-hmm. um, possibly wrote Ruth as as kind of a part of the narrative. Um, but there it. it they don't claim, and there's, to my knowledge, there's no listed author of any of those books either. So it might be quote unquote the chronicler, but we don't really know for sure who the chronicler was. Gotcha. Um, but it, Ruth is pretty well attested in in the histories, the Jewish histories, and mm-hmm. in um, secular, I guess you could call it secular writings. Yeah. Uh, of the time, so it's not like this is a story that comes out of like midair and is just kind of weird um it's a it's a legitimate historical narrative that's going to tie into the larger meta narrative of scripture right so um one thing that i thought was interesting though is that that ruth is is not in the place in the hebrew bible where it is in our modern day english bible mm-hmm. um and and Part of that is because, you know, our modern day English Bible kind of tries to tell a it it at least tries to tell a chronological sequence. There are times where it skips back and forth. Yeah. And you have prophets that overlap and you have, you know, some prophets are back in this time and 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 you have that kind of stuff going on. But Ruth happens in the time of Judges, but in the Hebrew Bible, Ruth is right after Proverbs. And and it was it was an interesting it was one of the other books that I was reading makes the point that um, Ruth being right after Proverbs really makes sense of Proverbs 31 Um, because you have Proverbs 31. You have the virtuous wife, the virtuous Mm -hmm. woman, uh, that explanation there. And then you roll that right into the story of Ruth. And it's it it, kind of gives you a better picture of what. Uh, ancient Near East or or Hebraic narratives would have done, and and they're trying to not necessarily paint a and this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened, but they are trying to paint a story. And mm-hmm. so when they're talking about a point, they'll say, "Well, this is what a virtuous woman was." Now let me tell you about Ruth, and they and it, yeah. it kind of it rolls that way, um, in in ancient Near East literature, and so yeah. it's less about the chronology and more about the story. Um, and so that's why I honestly think that's why you get the the start of Ruth as, you know, during the times of the judges. And so that helps the reader know chronologically where to place the story, but mm-hmm. they're coming off of reading Proverbs. So they're tying this whole narrative to, what to just read. a virtuous woman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. So, so I, I thought that was pretty interesting. It was a, it was a, an interesting kind of mindset to take on walking into the story of Ruth. yeah 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 so um but yeah so that's that's kind of our that's our orienting data so let's get to kind of some advice how should we read ruth how should we approach ruth um there is so much i guess overtones of of things like mercy and justice and caring for the poor um, that kind of stuff in the book of Ruth that we're going to get to when we really when we walk through, but we're going to give some of these some of this advice as a setup for walking through it. Yeah. Um, and so just kind of right out of the shoot, um, the book of Ruth shows 
how the blessing of one family can be turned into the blessing of a multitude of people. And, and think all the way back to Abraham when God says, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you into a, a nation, basically. Yeah. He's going to bless the nations through the person of Abraham. And so this is just a, a continuation and building of that original Abrahamic promise um, that God gave to Abraham. And so think about that in comparison to the way the church is supposed to be to the nations around us. You know, um, the church is not distinctively American. The church is not distinctively European. The church is worldwide. And wherever the church exists, we should be blessing the people around us. And so you have one group of God's chosen people who mm-hmm. are called to be a blessing to the nation that they're in, you know, intertwined with, I guess is kind of the word I'm thinking of. Um, if you're a, you know, if, if you live in London, you're called to be a blessing to the people of London. If you live in South Alabama, you're called to be a blessing to the people of South Alabama because you're in the church. Yeah. And so it's this idea of one person or group of people called by God being a blessing to all of the nations in, in unity and in love and in Mm -hmm. representing God. And so, yeah, that was an interesting, give us, give us a little bit more advice about, about Ruth. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we sit here and we see that this, the story has many characters, but it quickly shifts to focus on just a few. Mm -hmm. Um, we focus on Naomi, who is Ruth's mother-in-law. She's later, uh, renamed Mara, mm-hmm. um, and then Ruth herself, and then mm-hmm. also Boaz. Um, and, and really, we focus in on this theme of um, the kinsman redeemer mm-hmm. the relationship between the two. Um, in in ancient times, this is often how uh, inheritances are passed on. Yeah, to the you know to generations to the next generation, and so um, that's really the the running theme throughout the book of Ruth. Um, Let's talk about Anthony. Let's talk about how Ruth becomes an example of the promise of God that God made to Abraham. How, how does that, um, how does that play out throughout the book? Yeah. So we kind of, I kind of already hit on a little bit, but you have this, this promise that, you know, through one man, God will raise up a nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's Abraham. And so you follow that that story into the book of Ruth, and you what you see is through one immigrant, God weaves the narrative of the Messiah. Because if you follow Matthew's genealogies, um, Matthew links David directly to Jesus. Yeah. He follows the genealogy directly from David to Jesus. And so if Ruth is the great grandmother of David then what you have is a picture of an immigrant being in in direct lineage to Jesus. Yeah. And so you have this idea, uh, you can carry the idea that an immigrant, somebody who is not supposed to be where they are, somebody who is outcast, somebody who is um should be, you know, and in that time probably should have been cast aside, but wasn't for yeah. providential reasons. Mm-hmm. Um ends up being directly in the line of the Messiah who dies for the sins of the world. Yeah. Um, and so again, and then you, you follow that the through the one Messiah, you have, uh, you know, salvation coming to the world, the, the reconciliation uh, of man to God. 
Yeah. Um, and so this 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 idea that Ruth is an example or or what smart people call an archetype. Um it's it's a basically it's just a piece in the narrative that links to another piece that links to another piece. And you see this this repetition, this pattern repeated over and over and over again. Um and and a lot of times that's what these stories in scripture are built on. And yeah. and they're done this way because we are a, a fallen people who need to be reminded over and over and over again with stories over and over and over again of how God's going to redeem and renew his people. Yeah. Um it, it's almost like God has this plan that plays out and he and he's going to use certain people along the way to carry out the plan even when it doesn't make sense yeah. to us. Mhm. Almost like he's omniscient and stuff. What? Crazy. I know. I know. You get out of here with that that omniscient stuff. <laughs> I'm going to confess something. For the longest time, I pronounced that omniscient. Omniscient. <laughs> At least you didn't say omniscience. Well, you know, <laughs> something. Some things work together. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, all things. So, um, um, so, so Ruth is uh, like we already talked about in Matthew's genealogy. Ruth is actually mentioned in Matthew's genealogy, mm-hmm. and so she's one of four women who are included. Um, and it just is exactly what you just said. It shows God's ultimate plan uh, mm-hmm. to include all nations. Because remember, Ruth is a Moabite. Now, just uh, just think back to Exodus, Genesis. The Moabites are not the friends of Israel. Right. Okay. In fact, it, you could almost make the argument they're the sworn enemies of Israel. Um, and so you you mentioned the famine. And, and the famine only gets just a brief kind of introduction right uh right at the very beginning it just says you know there was a famine in the in the land and elimelech basically takes his family it's it's elimelech naomi and their two sons and they go to this foreign country moab because there was not a famine in moab mm-hmm. and so number one think about the incredible amount of humility that elimelech would have had to have had to provide for his family that he's basically saying we have to walk into enemy territory so that I can help provide for my family. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sets up the scene. And then you get there and Elimelech dies. Well, crap, what do we do now? Right. You know, so Naomi trying to think of, okay, well, I've got to have a plan here. I've got to think about something. She, in this foreign country, decides I'm going to marry my two sons to two women here in Moab. And and this is we're we're really kind of getting into to scene number one here of of uh, of the book. So this we're going to kind of just start walking through the book here. But Naomi sets up this this marriages and tries to marry off her son so that her her sons can you know basically keep the family lineage going. Right. Um. Then her two sons die, and she's stuck with two daughter in laws in a country that is not hers. That the people there more than likely don't like her. Right. You know, they may have had some respect for Elimelech because he was there working and trying to provide for his family there. I mean, there it doesn't really mention any of that, but but you could see where that would would go along. You can infer that. Yeah. Yeah. Now that now that Elimelech's out of the picture, the two sons are out of the picture. It's basically just this woman and her two daughter in laws. And and 
the people of Moab really want nothing to do with any of them. Right. Um, and so Naomi goes to her daughter-in-laws at the end, kind of towards the end of chapter one, and basically says, look, this is, I'm sorry for the way this has turned out. Uh, you're free to go. Um, you have my blessing. And one of the daughter-in-laws goes and, and that's a, you know, you can, you can understand that position. That's a, it seems like a respectable response. Yeah. Uh, Naomi's just trying to do what's best to them for them at the moment. Um, but you see Ruth with this, this commitment to Naomi and she's like, no, and, and I'm going to stay with you and you're my family. And my commitment was, was to your son. So you're my family. Now I've left my other family. Right. Um, and she's like, you, your people will be my people. Your God's going to be my God. I'm committing to you and I'm taking on the God of that you worship. Yeah. And I'm leaving all these other gods behind. Yeah. And in that culture, that's very unheard of it's very not 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 even unheard of it's just like very i don't want to use the word taboo but that that that's the word to use here yeah you know it, that it's, it's for sure countercultural yeah countercultural that's what see you're so smart um <laughs> but it's, it's it's it just goes against everything that the culture would have told ruth to do the people Mm -hmm. around ruth would have been like just just leave her let her let her die let her let her be on her own let her figure it out and you go back home or you go back to you know you go do your own thing yeah and and like you said ruth said no i'm committed to my mother-in-law because i was committed to her son Mm -hmm. and and i am showing that commitment by staying with her through all of this tragedy that she's been through of losing yeah. her husband and losing both of her sons. Yeah. Um, it shows a different level of commitment that yeah. a lot of modern people can't comprehend. Yeah. Um, you know, you, if you think about, think about like marriage vows and you say things like for better or worse, for richer or poor, um, till death do us part. Um, you know, we don't take those words in our society very seriously anymore. Right. Um, you know, and, and that's, I mean, honestly, I, I, I don't, I doubt they said things like that. I mean, I don't, I'm sure may have been similar or, or something similar to it, but um, you have this picture of Ruth's commitment to her mother-in-law, even mm-hmm. in the, in the time where her mother-in-law is saying things like, I'm changing my name from Naomi, which means sweet to Mara, which means yeah. bitter. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's like, I, I need to be seen as somebody who is bitter because, right. And, and I mean, if you want to try to try to read into that, maybe there's something there where she's mad at God. Maybe, you know, Naomi doesn't seem to be a very happy person in this. Right. Time. And so the, the thing, the, the problem with your analogy there is like, not that there's like a huge problem with it, but like when you made those, what those marriage vows to your wife, Mm-hmm. And when I made them to mine, those are made to my wife. Yeah. Not, not they, your mother-in-law. <laughs> they were not made to my mother-in-law. <laughs> Ruth is saying, look, I am, I am committed to, I was committed to my husband. I'm also committed to you. And yeah. now, even after my husband is gone, I'm still, I'm sticking with you, staying here with you. So I, you know, yeah. I'm going to be here by your side through this and going to help mm-hmm. you, you know, whatever that looks like. And Ruth had no idea what was coming. Ruth didn't know. Yeah, ha- the the things that were being worked out before she even said that 
yeah. she was going to say committed to Naomi before she even married Naomi's son. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, all things work together, right? So that's right. Um, so we've kind of walked through chapter, we kind of flew through chapter one there, <laughs> kind of haphazardly, but that's okay. Um, let's get into chapter two. So, you know, and we didn't really set this up. All four chapters of Ruth can be seen as scenes. Yeah. So we, we just walked through scene one where uh, Naomi's husband's died and her son's died and Ruth is committed to her. And now we're into scene two in chapter two. Um, yeah, this guy, Boaz, comes Boaz. into the picture. Um, there's a great, um, <laughs> great video clip about Boaz. Um, broke as and broke as cheap as poas. Po <laughs> um, I know he, I'm sure he didn't write it, but the pastor who may have made that clip famous is a pastor in the town I live. So, um, Yes. Funny, funny thing. So Boaz <laughs> is identified as a relative of Elimelech. Um, and Ruth just so happens to work for Boaz. What? What um, a coincidence. <laughs> again, almost like God works all things together. Um and, and and you know, you know, Anthony, you wrote out these notes, so I, I'm not gonna take credit for this, but you wrote here. What seems like an accident can be a can usually be attributed to the providential work mm -hmm. of God's hands. Yeah. When, when you are looking at things like how in the world did these things, how did these paths cross? Mm -hmm. it's, it's because God is good and God is working those things together. Yeah. Um, and, and we look at these two. We look at these two individuals. We look at Ruth and we look at Boaz, and they're examples of things here in chapter mm -hmm. two. You see Ruth as the diligent worker who's gleaning from the fields to provide for herself and for her mother-in-law. Mm -hmm. um, remember back in Leviticus, we talked about how the farmers are to, uh, they can harvest from the interior of their borders, but to are to leave the exterior mm -hmm. for people to pick as they're passing by to take for what they need. Yeah. Um, and Ruth is, Ruth is doing like she's really doing this. And then Boaz is the owner of that field, leaving the edges of his field available. Yeah. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to be doing. So <laughs> Ruth's doing what she's supposed to do. Boaz is doing what he's supposed to do. It's crazy what happens when people do what they're supposed to do. Um, and so uh, but we see God's provision, which is the edges of the field, mm. and then the the benefits of his law in this chapter, because we, we've talked about in our discussion, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, the, uh, the purpose of the law. Mm -hmm. Um, and we move on into chapter three. Yeah. So once we roll from chapter two into chapter three, we, we've set up this initial contact between Ruth and Boaz. Okay. Um, Ruth is cleaning the fields. Um, Boaz knows she's cleaning the fields. They're both kind of doing their own thing. And then Ruth comes back to Naomi in chapter three. And she's like, look, so there's this guy and, and he owns this field. And I, I kind of think he's kind of cute. And Naomi's like, all right, look, here's what you're going to do. You're, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. And she kind of gives her some instruction. 
and then she puts it together. Naomi puts it together that Boaz is one of uh, Elimelech's relatives, distant mm-hmm. relative. Uh, I don't know if we've mentioned yet, but they're back in Bethlehem at this point. They're not in Moab anymore. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so they've come back to they they leave Moab, come back because Ruth says, you know, your people will be my people, your God will be my God. They're they're leaving to go back. That's why the other daughter in law stays. I I just remember I was like, we don't think we said that. Um, so we're we're back in Israel at this point, and the famine has gone away, and 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 so there's that time mm-hmm. that gap there. Um, so that's why we're back to Elimelech's relatives. Yeah. We're in Israel again. So just, just making that clear. Um, and so Naomi kind of coaches her and and says, All right, here's what you got to do. And and you go do this, and and then you you lay at his feet after you've gleaned in the field, and they all kind of there's they all go back to the place to to clean up and sleep. And mm-hmm. and so she's like, You you lay the corner of your his blanket over you as you're laying at his feet. And there's there's a lot of significance in there. Um, if you, if you look into Jewish history and kind of Jewish cultural stuff, um, they would call things like that, the covering of your wings. Um, if you've ever heard of a prayer shawl, if you've ever seen uh, a Messianic Jew with a prayer shawl, those little things that hang down from the corners, they call them the wings. And so they, if you see them pray, they'll, they'll oftentimes y'all can't see me, but you take that prayer shawl and you wrap yourself up in it. So it makes like this little chamber and all of that stuff that dangles down is considered the wings. And so what they're doing is they're saying, I'm going into my prayer chamber and I'm being covered by the wings of God. It's very similar language here to mm-hmm. that. It's okay. it sim- symbolizes protection. It symbolizes care. It symbolizes all of these things that God has told his people to be for all by her laying at his feet underneath the corner of his blanket. Okay. What, what we would think of as, as something annoying in modern day culture was something very symbolic back in the day. Real quick. Okay. As you were describing kind of Naomi, like coaching Ruth on what to do and how, like for some reason, and I don't know if this is just like the young person in me. I don't know. Is Naomi like, you know the movie Hitch? Yes. Will Smith? Yeah. Kevin James? Great yeah. movie. <laughs> so so Naomi is like Hitch in this situation, telling Ruth how to how to let Elimelech know that she's interested. Yes. That's exactly what she's doing. Because okay. Naomi knows the customs. Ruth doesn't right. know the customs. Because she's not from there. That makes because so much sense. Because she's not from there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> It's like a so, circle. It all comes together. <laughs> there you go. So <laughs> Naomi knows all of these things and knows, you know, ba- basically what Ruth is doing is she's kind of going to Boaz and being like, look, um, let's get married. All right, cool. Sweet. <laughs> you know, that's it's it's not like a hey, let's go on a first date. Let's yeah. date, let's let's go out. So, get... <laughs> so basically, Ruth has gone to her mother-in-law, yeah, and said, Hey, I don't know how this works here what do I need to do to let him know that I'm interested? She well, tells the, him the story is more along the lines of instead of Ruth going to her mother-in-law, it's more along the lines of she goes and says, Hey, I was gleaning in this field. And then Naomi's like, Oh, hang on a second. Where were you? Okay. All right. Look, we got to here. We're about to fix this situation. Okay. Um, And so in, in, I mean, 
mother-in-laws in this day and time, and even in other cultures to this day, um, mother-in-laws are not the uh what's the what's antithesis they're they're good you know a lot of times we hear oh, jokes about mother-in-laws in, in, West, like, in western culture <laughs> mother-in-laws are like the enemy of the husband yes, basically that's yeah. right yeah you know a, a lot of times they are they can um, be yes they can be yes and so you know you hear in-law horror stories and things like that that wouldn't have happened in this time you know which is part of the reason ruth stayed with naomi right um it's also it's also part of the reason why this book is unique and kind of yes. difficult for us to understand, and especially in the Western Church, because mm-hmm. we have this idea of what a mother-in-law is. Yes, and we, here we see Naomi being helpful and telling, instructing Ruth basically on how for Ruth to not have Naomi as her mother-in-law anymore. Well, it's I mean. Technically, she's always going to be right and because that's that's the whole point of a kinsman redeemer is, is the kinsman redeemer steps in place of the husband that died. Uh, and yeah, yeah, and yeah. so the lineage and the inheritance the 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 kinsman redeemer has basically has children that are not technically thought of as his. Now, I mean, yes, they still are. Um, and it's it's a family. I mean, it it shows the family bond of mm-hmm. ancient Near Eastern times. And it's it, you know, we have that that problem now because we think of my family is my wife and my kids. Like that's my family bond. Right. I still have my parents, I have my in-laws, I have my cut, you know, you have all those things, but if you know, if my wife dies or if I die, you know if I don't have a brother, but if I had a brother, my brother would probably not move in with my wife and help raise my kids. Right. Um, in it this is, day and age, yes, they would have. <laughs> yeah. And like, logically that makes sense thinking of like, remembering Boaz is a Limelech's distant relative like, yeah. or is a relative of some kind, you know, where that, how far apart they are. Mm-hmm. Isn't really clear, I guess. Um, but it, you know, that makes sense when, when you piece it all together. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it helps. Okay. Yep. So uh, I'm with you. I'm tracking. So chapter three, you get the story, and um, Ruth basically kind of does what Naomi says, and and Boaz picks right up on it. He's like, uh, "Yeah, I mean, you want me to be the kinsman redeemer? Uh, I'm, I'm in. I can do this, but yep. there's another person that I know that is technically ahead of me in line, and and so uh, we." we should give him the first opportunity to be the kinsman redeemer. Right. And so Boaz, and and I love this. I love this part of the story because Boaz is like, I really want to do this because I really like this girl, Ruth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes, this other guy, this other guy's kind of dis- described of like a, like a Scrooge McDuck type person. Like he's only interested in money and wealth and fame. And, and so uh, Boaz goes to this, this other guy and says, Hey, uh, there's Ruth and Ruth is the daughter-in-law of Naomi. Uh, they need a kinsman redeemer. You're first in line. Um, here's the land. Here's, you know, here's the good part of it. And, and the guy's like, oh, heck yeah, this can be awesome. Um, and then Boaz very strategically says, now, remember, you also have to take care of Naomi. You have to take care of Ruth and you, you have to provide children and you have to do these things. Kind of, kind of throws in the negative things in there. Just, very strategically and the guy's like yeah i don't really want to do all that so ah, you i'll pass you can have her mm-hmm. and and so 
it's, it's interesting because what you see in that situation is Boaz doing the right thing. Right. And at the same time, he kind of just includes enough information to, to make the guy to, pass up on. <laughs> right. To, to make the deal not uh, attractive for the guy to take anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's he's, interesting. He's, he's strategic there. He wasn't yeah. untruthful. He, he did he, say like, look at all the land you'd get, but also don't forget. You got to take care of Naomi. Yeah. Who, you know, you got to take care of her. You got to provide children. You got to do all these things. And it's, it's to me, it's the greatest picture of knowing your audience. Oh, knowing yeah. who you're talking to, because you can say things and, and, and a lot of times you, you do this, you, you say something a specific way to elicit a certain response from somebody. Yeah. You know, the response are going to, because of the type of person they are. Mm-hmm. Boaz probably knew that this guy was a shyster and was not going to care for Ruth and care for Naomi. He was only interested in the land and the money. Right. And, and so he, he throws in just enough information to make him say, yeah, I'll pass on that. You can, you can go ahead. Mm. So it's, it's, huh. it's an interesting twist in the story that I, I, I really like there at the end. That, 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 that is kind of funny. <laughs> Think about end it. That's, chapter three. That's funny. So, yep. so we, we've gotten that the guys passed on the responsibility and given it to Boaz. Um, and we move into chapter four, um, all these fem- formalities aside, Boaz marries Ruth. Mm-hmm. And um, Naomi gets restored from bitter Mara mm-hmm. back to a uh, sweet Naomi. Um, and then the, the product of Boaz and Ruth's marriage, interesting way to put one of the children, is uh, directly linked to King David. Yeah. Um, and so we see that Ruth is uh, directly linked to David, who's directly linked to Jesus. That's right. So this foreigner who and didn't have a just, place. That's right. I would like to cite that we now have a prostitute and an immigrant directly in the lineage of Jesus. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> God can use anyone to accomplish anything because he's God and we're not. That's um, right. And, and, you know, let's, let's close it out this week with this, um, with this line here. Um, in the worst of situations, God's faithfulness is seen. God not only saw fit to include immigrants in his story, he uses immigrants to trace the lineage directly to Jesus, who is the once for all sacrifice for all mankind. Yeah. God's faithful and his plan is far greater and far more detailed than we could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. And he is still working today, working things out um, for the good of those who are uh, called to follow him. And he is working out details that you don't even know. He's he's already setting things into motion right this moment that yeah. you would never know until you're until you look back on it. Who knows how far in the future? Yep. And realize what he is doing. So. Um, just want to leave you with that as we have, uh, we finished Ruth, man. Heck yeah. We're flying through this thing. Ruth is a good book. It is a good book and it's a good, it's a good one to read with some regularity, like you said, cause it's mm-hmm. pretty short. Um, so, uh, Ruth is a great story to read to your children. Mm. 
because it has all of the elements of the biblical principles that parents should be teaching their children. Yeah. You know, commitment, loyalty, um, Boaz, integrity, doing the right thing, even. And I mean, here's the thing. Boaz went to that guy and he could have told him all that. And the guy was like, the guy could have been like, I don't care. I'm first in line. Right. You know, but Boaz did the right thing. He did uh, what was right according to the law. And he did mm-hmm. what was right according to the standards of God's, uh, you know, civilization, uh, yeah. God's nation. And so yeah. um, there, there's something to be said about that. And, and there's, you know, there's lessons to be learned and, and it's a story where you can have, I mean, it's, it's good. Uh, the reason I say it's good to read to your children because you can have those things being instilled in your children at a very young age. It's not inappropriate to read to children. You know, you probably don't want to read song of Solomon to your eight year old. (laughs) Right. It's probably a book you skip in the, in the reading plan right now. Um, But Ruth is, is the story that, that you can read, you know, stories like Ruth and Esther are stories you can read to your children because it's full of people doing the right thing in what seems to be impossibly hard situations. Right. You know? So you think of where Naomi is when she's basically stranded in a foreign country with two daughter-in-laws that she doesn't know what to do with. Mm -hmm. And she does the right thing. She says, you can leave if you want to leave. But Ruth shows the commitment, the loyalty. Yeah. And then that ends up leading her to Boaz, who is integrity. Yeah, the the book is full of people doing. I mean, Naomi saying, "If you want to leave, you know, you have my blessing. You can do mm-hmm. it." One of the daughters leaving, but Ruth saying, "No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the right thing and stay committed to you." You know, yeah. not that the other daughter did the wrong thing. The, yeah, the, it's, Naomi gave her the freedom to make mm-hmm. the choice. Yeah, and one chose one, and one chose the other. Yeah, um, and then like you said, Boaz showing his integrity and, um. Yeah, the, the I mean the main players in in the book of Ruth are just filled with uh, with doing the right thing. Like yeah. they they seem almost obsessed with it, which <laughs> we should be too. But here we are. So, um, you have anything else to add before man, we? Man, that's that's it. We that's get all got on Ruth. All right, man. Well, uh, Anthony, would you like to pray for us tonight I before would. we before we get out of here? I will do it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for uh, another time that we can sit and we can discuss your word. We're so thankful that you gave us your word, um, that you laid out uh, for us uh, examples, that you laid out uh, words of scripture that we can take and read and apply to our lives and teach to our children, um, that we can build followers of Christ, but not for our sake, not for any of our glory, but for your glory and your glory alone. Uh, and so, God, I pray that we would take the book of Ruth and we would apply it to our lives and ask ourselves, how can we do the right thing? How can we be full of integrity? How can we honor you with our day-to-day actions in everything that we do? Uh, God, I pray that you would teach us something, that you would continue to teach us as we walk through uh, more and more books. Uh, God, that you would teach us more and more about your word, that we can hide it in our hearts so that we would not sin against you. Uh, and so, God, I pray that as we go out into our uh, week and weekend and and enjoy our ourselves god that we would be examples for you that we would take to heart the the um what's the word i'm looking for the example of ruth and the example of boaz and the example of naomi 
and we would apply those examples to our lives so that we can better reflect you uh, in the world that is around us. I pray that you would bless uh, our study. You continue to bless, bless those who hear this, God, that they would reflect you. Uh, We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, Michael, if they want to get a hold of us on social media platforms, where would they do that? You can find the Beers and Bible podcast on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible podcast. And then you can also email us. Um, our email address is beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. And on any and all of those uh, sites and emails and such, we would love to uh, hear from you. If you have any questions about anything we've discussed on the podcast, or if you have any suggestions for uh, beers to review, um, we would love to hear those from you. And uh, who knows if we, review one of your beers maybe we'll uh, give you a shout out on the podcast yes we might if you had an Aldi beer that you like we might be willing to try it people it's gonna have to be better than tonight's though I'm I'm not gonna lie well that's fine people probably like the all dagger and you're you probably just like (laughs) pierce their soul so um (laughs) like that sword pierces the barrel on the the barrel (laughs) Mm -hmm. yep that's why I That's use the great. word Pierce. So there you have it. There's our uh, episode for tonight. And um, I guess yeah. until what? I say until next week. And you want, you going to steal my line? I was going to try, but you, you <laughs> do it. You, you gave me a, you gave me a look and I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, all right. So until next week, we hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open and we'll see you later. Peace out.